0: Well, good morning. morning. It's uh, it's been quite quite the year, right? The uh, the uh, the holiday season is over. Christmas Christmas is over. But 2020 2020 is not over. And And perhaps perhaps it could have been been a little easy to skip skip. skip Sunday, Sunday, the 27th of December, December, but but I'm gonna gonna dub dub this group the faithful remnant that remains. remains. Here we Here we are, right? We're here for some church this morning. Um, all jokes aside, I am glad you're here. I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to, to preach this morning, to open up God's Word with you. Um, I pray that we would do, we would do that. Um, we're opening up God's Word together, and, and so I, I pray that the Lord, the Lord moves this morning. We're going to be in, um, as Bill said, uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11. We've, we've been going through the Gospel of John as a church. We took a break as we went through uh, Christmas series, and before we dive back into John, the beginning of the year, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 11 um, this morning. Throughout uh, the course of just this year, our our church kind of offers an an array of of teaching opportunities, if you will. We We have small groups. We have of course, teaching on Sunday mornings, we have men's and women's Bible studies that go throughout the year. And there's a lot of of plunging into deep doctrines of Scripture. You know, I say, you know, I say small groups, really, that's a accountability, it's a discussion. But also, there's our, our small group just went through 1 Corinthians. And there's a number of different doctrines and, and really topical Topics, topics, topical, topical topics, topics, that's perfect. That's, that's exactly right. what I'm looking for, right? Topical topics. That Paul, <laughs> that Paul goes through and teaches church. the church. And we, and we wrestled with him in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. It's been, it's been it's quite the year. year. And, I and I cannot state, state emphatically how important it is to teach right doctrine. doctrine. But, today but today we're going to look at the makeup of Jesus' heart. And now, and now you may say, well, you can't, you can't really, really divorce the two. Right. And you're right. Cannot you cannot divorce the two. But imagine a coin, right? If the coin represents Jesus, on one side you have the doctrines of Scripture. You have the resurrection. You have the ascension. You have his miracles. You have his teachings. On the other other side, side, you have his heart. Jesus was a man. He came to this earth
1: as flesh, like you
0: and me. He had a mind. He had emotions. He had a heart. What was that that heart like? like? That's what what I want to look at this morning. morning.
1: And that's the question that
0: I want to answer. If someone were to ask you, what is Jesus' heart like? What would you, what would you tell, tell that person? Of course, you, of course you could say, say, well, his heart was like the heart of God because he's God. Sure. You could say lots of things that are true. But this text really gets at, and Jesus himself describes his heart and I, would and I would be remiss if I didn't mention a book that greatly influenced me on the, as I studied and prepared this text. And Bill mentioned it a few weeks ago, it's called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. And I highly recommend it. The subtitle is The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. And I picked it up a few weeks ago just thinking, okay, I think this book would be pretty uh, relevant for maybe this year and what all that's happened this year. And so, and so as we stand at the edge of, of 2020, maybe perhaps we're, we're looking, uh, we're, we're in a valley looking up, I pray, I pray this text would ground us and make us want to see Jesus more clearly and long for his presence. Because he is the center, right? The gospel is built around Jesus. The church was founded by Jesus. The universe, scripture tells us, is, is held together, is held up by the word of Jesus. Our faith is in the work of Jesus. Our obedience is possible because of salvation and justification and sanctification in Jesus. And our hope is set in heaven where Jesus is. His works are central to who he is and vice versa. It's The flip side of the coin. So that's what I want to look at this morning. Who, who is he? It may sound cliche. You may say, I've heard this question asked a million times in a sermon. Who is Jesus? Here we go again. I pray we find something new this morning. Not new apart from Scripture. Based in Scripture. So the, the, the 11th chapter of Matthew. It's actually the only time in Scripture where Jesus himself describes what his heart is like. Toward you. Toward me. So if you, so if you would turn there, we're going to start... I'm actually going to read starting in verse 25 through 30, uh, but I'm going to focus this morning on verses 28 through 30. I'm going to start in 25 just to give a little bit of context. Matthew 11, verse 25, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding." And revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Amen. Six uh, years ago, I started my journey through seminary, my first semester. And I was enrolled in a class, everybody had to take it their first semester, it's called New Testament Theology, and, you know, generally you show up to first class and you're like, alright, syllabus day, here we go, no assignments, you know, the teacher's going to be, you know, introduce herself, himself, we're going to get on with our day, we'll get to the assignments later in the week. No, 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 no. not this class. Let's just, Let's just say my teacher was intimidating, very, very. very. My first semester, my first semester I, wasn't I wasn't even sure if I was supposed to be in seminary. Here I am. And I'm like, let's just, let's just get, out get out of here with a B or a C and call it a day. Get on, get on to, to our next class. classes. We'll be fine. We had to, we had write, to write these really, really weekly essays. essays. And, and she would kill me, me if my professor knew I was telling the story. Because, our because our I really believe she wanted, wanted, she wanted us to write exactly what she wanted. wanted. I didn't, I didn't know what that was, that was. so I, get, so I get, get my first back, one back, and let's, and let's just say, say it was not an A, not a, a or a <laughs> B, or a high or mid-C, and I was like, I was like, I was like, like I, why, 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 am, why I am I in seminary? Why I am I even doing what this? Does what does she want? Does so I typed up an email to her, my fingers were shaking, and I'm like, can I come see you in your office? I need to talk to you. That was cringing walking down the hall to her office. And to this this day, day, it's the one one time, I don't know if I'm proud proud to admit this or ashamed, it's the one time time I've cried in a professor's office, sitting across from her desk in a chair. I cried, cried. tears, actual tears, tears tears. not like teary-eyed, I cried. I didn't didn't know what she wanted. wanted. At one point point I said, said, what do you you want want me to write? write for you? I didn't know know what she wanted. wanted. I couldn't provide the content she expected. It may may sound a bit silly, silly, a little drawn out, but we we can often think about God that way. Does he he really want me to come to him? As I walked down the hall, I thought, does she even want to see me? Does she actually want to help me? Or does she just want to give me a see and kind of humble me in my seminary experience? We think, will God really help me and care for me? Or will he just tell me all the things that I do wrong? Will he lovingly guide me or will he condemn me like a harsh judge and send me away to try to fix it myself? And in the book book I mentioned, Gentle and Lowly, Dane Ortlund says this. He says, Jesus is the most approachable man to ever exist in human history. It may sound like nothing's there. What does it mean that Jesus is approachable? What other God, what other religion offers someone to you who is approachable? Who you can go to. And that he'll care for you. This is what we see in in the beginning of this text. Starting in verse 28. The first three words, come to me. I mean, I, I couldn't. Could, Spurgeon, Spurgeon probably could. Other preachers could. But they could preach a whole series, series on this praise. phrase. Come, come to me. Does Why does he, he want us come to him? come to him? Do you believe, Do you believe that Jesus is, a, is as approachable as God's word says he is? As he, as says, he says he is in these gospel, gospel accounts, accounts that we have. That this, this invitation, which is, which is what this verse starts out with, is, is, the, is the core of Jesus, Jesus being. He's the, He's the son, son of God who who longs for communion with his people. Notice, Notice he doesn't say come to my teaching, or come, or come to my miracles, or come or to, to come, church church services, or come, come to my church services, come to synagogue. He says, he says come, come to me. He says come, come to me. The invitation, the invitation is to with be with him, him trust to trust in him at a personal level, level. Not, just not just a knowledge, a knowledge level, just acknowledging that He exists. It's to come to Him and to trust Him. So this, so this verse, verse 28, starts out with an invitation, and then we move to, okay, well, David, who David, who's this is this invitation for? What does he, what does he say? say? He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. All who labor and are heavy laden. Most likely, Jesus uses these words to connect with the crowd he's speaking to. Actually, uh, if you look back in, in Matthew, the beginning of chapter 11, verse 1, tells us, tells us kind of who he's talking to. It says, when Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. He's preaching to crowds. And back then, maybe a little more so than in 2020, people worked with their hands, their legs, their arms, their Backs were sore from labor. Anybody Anybody in here farm farm for a living? Oh, we got got one. That's more than I thought. I thought it was going to be zero. So Jesus Jesus says this to, to connect with those he's talking to. Perhaps in 2020 we can relate a little bit more to John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. I want to read an excerpt. And in in this timeless book, Bunyan describes a man's journey. man's name is Christian. And Christian encounters a bunch of different people that Bunyan names. And it's almost like this little microcosm of our our walk with God, our journey of faith. But it's done so in this context of a man going on a journey. And this man starts out in this book, he's, he's carrying a burden. and He's trying to get rid of it. He doesn't know how. And he, and he comes to this person named Mr. Worldly Wiseman. And he, and he tells this man, I have this burden. I'm trying to get rid of it. Can you help me? And the Worldly Wiseman says, I would advise thee then that thou with all speed get thyself rid of thy burden. For thou, For thou, thou will never be settled in thy mind, mind till then. Nor can thou enjoy the blessings which God hath bestowed upon thee till then. Christian, the man with the burden, says, That is that which I seek for, even to be rid of this heavy burden. But get it off myself, I cannot. Nor is there any man in our country that can take it off my shoulders. Therefore, I am going this way, as I told you, that I may be rid of my burden. The worldly wise man, what does he tell him to do? Oh, you got to get, just get rid of the burden. You're not going to be able to experience the blessings of God unless you get rid of it. He doesn't tell him how. He just says, dude, you just got to get, get rid of this. That's what the world, world we live, live in. We have, we have these burdens. The and the world says, says, you have a burden? That's silly. Get rid of it. Work harder. Make more money so you can take more vacation. Don't have kids. That would, that would be hard on you. Get you some you time. Meditate. Do yoga. Let me pause. Not, I'm not saying, saying all that is bad, bad at its core, but the but world gi- gives, gives us so many things. It thinks, it thinks it gives us so many things that we can get the, get the burden, burden off our back, back. by ourselves. Thanks, Thanks, world, but not that's very not very helpful. We all, we all have, have burdens. burdens. We, may we may not work with our hands out in the field every day, but we labor. labor And are heavy laden and we have burdens. So Jesus Jesus says, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. Then what does he say? He follows up his invitation and the condition of those who can come. He follows that up with a promise. He says, I will give you rest. We're about to see that this invitation come to me is not an empty invitation. Imagine, Imagine showing up to a birthday, birthday party, whether it's a, friend, it's a friend or your kid's friend, and you get this invitation, invitation, oh, this is going to be a great birthday party, you show up, and there's, and there's no food, food no there's, plans, there's no plants, there's no balloons, balloons, there's nothing. You just walk, you just walk in, in, and they're like, oh, welcome, welcome to the birthday party, and you're like, where's the, where's the party? They're like, oh, okay, okay, like, oh we, didn't, we didn't have time to really set up or get a cake or do anything, but welcome, welcome. have a seat. Have a seat. Kind of, kind of birthday party is that? It's terrible. That's terrible. They, didn't they didn't deliver on their invitation. If the, if, the, if the invitation said, come enjoy cake and food and balloons and blah, 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 blah and, they get, and they get there and there's nothing there, that's empty. That's empty. I'd, leave. I'd leave. I'd go home. If Red, if Red ever has a friend and that's, that's their birthday party, birthday. we're not staying. We're leaving. And I hope, and I hope we don't ever throw a party like that. But this this invitation has a promise attached to it. And as I I just said, Jesus says, says, I will give you rest. Now, maybe some moms in the room are like, all right, right, I'm listening listening now. now. He said, said, he'll give me rest. What do I have to do? But notice, this isn't just physical rest. If you look actually on down to verse 29, we're not going to skip the beginning of 29, because that's all hard of this text, but if you look down to the end of verse 29, Jesus says, "You will find rest for your souls. rest for your souls." Have you, have you experienced that before? Have you experienced soul rest? What does that even mean? Sometimes I'm like, I don't, I don't care about soul rest. I just want physical rest. Just give me some rest so I can better serve my wife or my friends or my church or myself. But what is soul rest? Is your soul rest at rest this morning? See, Jesus loves to give invitations but in, but in them, he also, also loves, loves even more, I believe, to deliver on them with the promises that he gives. Now, I want you, now, I want you to consider, consider some, other some other invitations in the Bible. Can you think, can you of, think one? of one?
1: Follow, follow me,
0: Mark 1. He encounters some disciples, and Jesus says, follow me. Does it stop there? No, he, no, he says, follow, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I will do something to you if you follow, follow me. In John, in John 15, 15, he says, abide in me. To so just, just end in there, there, abide in, in him, him, and what? then what? He says, he says, there says then I will abide in you, in and you will, family, will bear much fruit. That's a that's promise. A promise. And then and then this in this text, he says, come to me. He doesn't, he doesn't say just say, come to me, and, so I can, so I can show, everybody show everybody how many followers I have. If Jesus wanted to do that, that I think he could have had a little bit more than 12 disciples on the earth. He was just trying to show off the people that are following him. You see, you see, Jesus, Jesus never, never invites, invites you to a, a life of static, static nothingness. It may sound a little weird. He doesn't Does invite, invite us to come to him to just... That be a, the that end. That's it. that's it. In one In sense, sense, it is the end because we get him. But he has, but he has promises, promises that he delivers on. on. If you come to me, I will give, I will give you rest, your rest for your souls. You see, sin... Sin Sin does does to us what darkness does to plants. Can plants plants live in the dark forever? forever? Not a botanist. Maybe my wife's thinking of a few that do live in the dark. I guess the illustration might break down at some point. But for the most part, plants can't live in darkness. We can't live in our sin forever. God brings us out of our sin. When we go to the true light, when we go to Jesus, He awakens our desires Perhaps, Perhaps this is a quote, quote you've, heard you've heard before, but St. Augustine is really, really a Mount Rushmore theologian back in the, the fourth century, way back in the fourth century. He says, he says this, and again, I, I apologize for the, for the old English version, but we can still understand it. He says, thou awakest us to delight in thy praise. For thou made us for thyself, and our heart is restless until it repose in thee. He's saying, God made us for himself. And we will be restless. Our soul will be restless until it finds its rest in him. It doesn't mean our entire life is going to be easy or perfect. Or we're never going to have any trials. In fact, the Bible teaches otherwise. It says we will suffer. We will have danger. But we will also have Jesus. He's experienced every kind of temptation we have. He's with us. He's inviting us to come to Him. Look with me at verse Verse 29. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. This, this verse really answers the question, okay, you've invited me. I've come to you. You've promised to give me rest. Now what? Now what do I do? He says, take my yoke upon you. What is a yoke? What is a yoke? Kind of a weird, weird word. word we don't really say it, like it much in twenty twenty because again it's not, like it's not like we got oxen rolling down the freeway highway fifty one carrying people to their destination. A yoke is a is a, is a wooden contraption that keeps, contraption that keeps animals in line, keeps it keeps them doing their job. it forces them to go, to go forward, forward. And, even and even more so, so it enables pairs of animals to work, to work together. together. Imagine, Imagine if you had two animals, no yoke. They start, they start going this way. Your carriage is done for. A, a yoke is heavy. Is it's controlling and demanding. So Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Why would I, would I, I want to do that? It sounds harsh. harsh. It sounds forceful, it sounds demanding, and we're going to revisit this, so I want to I kind of leave that as a cliffhanger a little bit, we're going to revisit this yoke, and next Jesus says, learn from me, now imagine, I didn't really understand, when I first read this text, I'm like, why does he say learn from me, like, clearly he's teaching, so we, we would do that for sure, right, but think, but think what, about this context. He's, he's getting, he's getting at, at the religious, religious Pharisees, Pharisees, the rulers of the day, who their teaching was burdensome. They taught, they taught to observe all these externalities. Do this, this and do this and do this. And they didn't, and they didn't know how burdensome it was. People, the people, couldn't they couldn't do, them do them. it all. If and if they did, it was just more of, more of a burden. It was heavier. Jesus says, learn from me. I'm not like them. My yoke is not like their yoke. My teaching is not like their teaching. It's not burdensome. So here in in the middle of verse 29, it's where we answer the first question I put up on the screen this morning. What is Jesus' heart like? Jesus says it himself, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. Paramount to all other descriptions. Jesus chooses to tell us. His heart towards you, towards me. Is gentle and lowly. Come on, Jesus. Those two things. That's not very manly. Gentle and lowly. You're a powerful powerful king. You're a ruler. You made made the universe. universe. This is is what you chose? Words Words that can be interchanged here are kind, humble, humble, tender. tender. In all all of the gospel accounts, all of them, here here is the only place Jesus describes his own heart. Of course, we can, we can describe him in many other ways, right? Scripture teaches us that, that Jesus is the bread of life. He's the good shepherd. He's the light of the world. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the son of God. He's the son of, He's the son of man. He's a friend of sinners. He's a sovereign ruler. He's the firstborn of all creation. And from these descriptions, yeah, we, we could attribute to him some characteristics based on what we know. But he chooses... Gentle and lowly. He comes, he comes down to our level. And he cares and for our burdens. Our burdens.
1: It's, like have, it's like have you ever
0: seen a parent talk to a child. To a child and they get down on their, down on their knees? knees. And they say, and they say look, look at me. Listen, listen to me. They, they get on their level. And they're not intending to be condescending. condescending. They're, they're, becoming they're becoming lowly and gentle. And they're getting, and they're getting down on their level. And they're saying, I, "I want you listen to listen to you. me. I, I know what's best for you. Come to me. I will give, I will give you, rest. you rest." They get down on their level. That's what Jesus does with us. He doesn't, he doesn't say, "Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm demanding and expect you to not mess up." He doesn't, he doesn't say, "Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm perfect and you are flawed." I wouldn't make me want to go to him. He could certainly say it, though, because it is true, but he doesn't. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. Do you think, Do you think of Jesus that way? Maybe if you're, if you're taking notes, write this year what you thought of Jesus, when you thought of his heart, his characteristics. Instead of thinking you were gentle and lowly, Jesus, I thought of you as blank and blank. Look at verse 30. Jesus ends the text saying, For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This sentence doesn't even make sense. It's an... It's a double oxymoron. Yokes aren't easy. Burdens, and burdens aren't light. What makes, what makes a, a burden, burden a burden is the fact it's that it's heavy. It's, a, it's load a load we can't bear on our own. And back, and back to what I was saying about a yoke. It helps pair pairs of animals work together. work together. But notice this. Jesus, Jesus doesn't say... Take my yoke so that, so that you can do 50% of the work and I can do 50% of the work. We can work together. We can be a team. Jesus does 100% of the work for you. doesn't mean that we're not called to obey him. doesn't mean that we're not called to flee from sin, to hold each other accountable. But it does mean that Jesus has done everything for you. Let me get more specific. He's taken on your burden for you so that you don't have to bear it. And if you have a burden tomorrow, he's taken that one too.
1: And the next day, and the
0: next day. Jesus is saying, I don't provide what the world provides. I provide you much, much more. When you submit yourself to me, you're not submitting to a life of of drudgery and nothingness. When you're you're submitting to to me, your Creator and your Savior, and when you come to me, you'll experience more joy and more freedom than you've ever experienced. Many of you know I'm a big golf fan, and recently the PGA Tour had an event where the the golfers could play with their sons. It's a really cool event, father son event. And Tiger Woods. Uh, Maybe a lot of us don't know this. I actually wasn't aware. He has an 11-year-old son now who's a really good golfer. And he got to play with his son Charlie in this event. And before the event, and you you, you think the media is all over Charlie Woods, thinking he's going to win a major in two years already at age of 13. I mean, the kid's swing is amazing. His dad's Tiger Woods. I mean, he's probably going to be the next Tiger Woods, right? No pressure. So before this event, the media interviews Tiger, you know, Tell us about what this week means for you, playing with your son, competing. And Tiger says this. He says, I just want him to enjoy it. And I think Tiger's come a long way. I don't think he would have said that years ago. He said, you know, whether he becomes a professional or wants to play for fun, we'll get to do this for my lifetime. I just want him to enjoy the game, to enjoy it. I think that's similar to the Father's desire for us, not to enjoy golf, to enjoy being with Him. He wants, he wants us to enjoy coming to Him and knowing Him and being with Him. These words reveal Jesus' deepest desires, that He wants to be with us. And maybe there's times when we think, He doesn't, he doesn't know what I'm going through. He can't provide any answers for me. He never never sinned, so how can he help me with my sin? Read Hebrews. He was tempted, just as we are. He was tempted in every way, yet he didn't falter. And on the cross, he took your sin from you, he bore your sin, your burden, on himself. And he crushed crushed sin once and for all at the resurrection. And so when when we read verse 30, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus' burden is light because he bore the heavy burdens of the entire human race upon himself. He didn't just bear them, but he crushed them at at the resurrection. He proved his power over them. When he said, you know what, death? Not today. Not today. Not any any day. day. You cannot cannot hold me down. down. I took took on these burdens for a reason. For my people people, that they could know me and access me and and come to me. And I could give them rest rest for their souls. souls. There's There's real real power in the name of Jesus. Does anybody anybody believe that? that? There's There's power in his name and and we get to share in that. Because he invites us to. I read, I read this quote from Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Sometimes I read a number of pages in a row and I'm like, what did he just say? I've got to reread it. But every now and then he'll, he'll say a sentence where you're like, okay, I'm tracking. Because he, he starts it with, like, with something like this. Now the whole offer which Christianity makes is this. I'm like, all right, I'm all ears. What are you going to say? He says, the whole whole offer which Christianity makes is this, that we can, that we, you and me, if we let God have his way, we can come to share in the life of Christ. Sounds simple. What is his way? If we let God have his way, what is his way? His way is that we come to Him. That we, that we accept, accept the invitation. Sharing, sharing in life the life of Christ is the whole, is the whole of offer of Christianity, I think, at the heart of this text. It's the whole offer of this text, is share in the life of Christ. His heart, his heart for you is to come, come to Him so that, so that He could share His life, life with you. As followers of Christ, of Him, one of the most tangible ways this happens is that He indwells us with His Spirit. And so many people say, I don't, I, don't, I don't want a Spirit, I just want to walk with Jesus. Well, Jesus Himself said it would be better for you to actually have the Spirit instead of Him physically there walking beside you. Probably is something worth noting. If you trust in Jesus as your Savior, the Spirit is dwelling within you and guiding you into truth, leading you to light. The gospel is not a formula or an equation to figure out. The gospel is an invitation. That's the heart of this text. It's an invitation to see the grace and truth of Jesus. To see our sin upon Jesus on the cross. And it doesn't doesn't stop stop there. He conquered it. He rose rose up from the dead to give give you life. life. If you hear hear nothing nothing else today, I want you you to know that God has an invitation for you through His His Son, Son, Jesus. Maybe you're thinking, no "No way it's it's for me. Maybe for some people in here, but it's not for me. me. as' for you. He has an, he has an invitation, invitation, and not only, and not only does he have an invitation, he he, deliver. he delivers. He has, he has a promise, a sure and, promise, sure and certain promise that he will deliver you from your sin, and that your and soul, that your soul will, will find rest. Does anybody, anybody want some rest for their soul? No matter, no matter what twenty twenty one brings. He will still be the sinner. He will still be the king. He will still be gentle and lowly. He will still be kind and humble and tender. And he will still sound forth his invitation to you. It says, come to me. And I will give you a real, real rest for your souls. As the worship team comes back up, just want to take, invite you to, to take a moment to reflect. Maybe if you have your Bible open to Matthew 11, read, read through this text a few times. Reflect on what Jesus has done for you this year. And As Chris mentioned earlier, of course it's been an unbelievably hard year. Well, let's have a heart of gratitude and thankfulness. For him keeping us. Keeping keeping us us in himself. Helping helping us us to persevere.